What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Domcast episode 12, I believe it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm slightly distracted because me and the NBA storyteller here, if you if we have a video, I'm, I'm not sure yet if this is going to be, you know, us on face camera or not or just us on audio, but we were already having great conversation before the podcast starts. So mine is all over the place. Just say what's up to the people. NBA storyteller. This is a good one. This is going to be uh, something that people either really like or really just hopefully let play until the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just for the, the audience out there, this isn't, I mean, yeah, it's going to be kind of different from a regular podcast. We are going to talk about some NBA today as we normally do, but this is the first time I've actually brought on like a, you know, co-host to interview because a uh, storyteller is one of the more unique people in the NBA community. It's been that way for years. Um, I was trying to remember before we got on today, how I, how I found you. I was trying to, I went back to your oldest video. I'm not sure if you deleted older ones or not. Um, but the, the the years look like they match up. It looks like I found you right at the end of college. And that, that does make sense because I think I drove myself crazy trying to reach the quality of the videos that you were putting out. This, uh, this uh, what was it, the greatest playoff series of all time? Yeah, that was me trying to, I don't want to say imitate, but I saw the quality of your videos and I was like, I was like, shit, man. So, yeah, just, just shout out to you for, you know, making Let me tell you, content. let me tell you this. There yeah. was a point where... Because I always watch your, I watch your videos. I was just adm- admitting earlier that I don't watch a lot of basketball videos, yeah. um, except the ones that just like fight their way all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there was a point where, I don't know, you kind of expanded your takes, or like it was a little less direct. And I was like, man, this this guy is eating into my territory here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh no, is everybody else gonna just like? Am I just a one trick that everybody else can just? It's in everybody. I assume everybody has the capacity to do anything that anybody else does. But I was just thinking, oh, wow, like, he's funny. He's got the voice. He's got the delivery. Now he's kind of being irreverent when um, when it, when it's there. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy, like, so I stuck with it. And I wasn't, wasn't, there wasn't, like, a tinge of jealousy, but it was, like, uh, an additional layer of respect that's kind of um, carried through the years. Anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you from experience, uh, y- your work is not just something people can duplicate you can duplicate things all around nba youtube like you can take this video format or this video topic you can do that uh yours i still to this day don't really know what that process is which is a topic that we're going to get into today by the way (laughs) because uh yeah watching your videos i think was the first time i probably like you were just asking you know how i record my videos i think watching yours was the first time that i actually tried some things on camera i believe so like you have like these really like abstract things that go on with like the toy figure that i think you still use in your videos the little basketball yeah and so i I was literally trying to graduate college and also 
up the quality of, of my content like a by like times a million so i guess we'll start there since we're we're naturally there at the moment um yeah what made you want to start youtube in the first place because again for some reason like the time is flying i thought you were around longer but it looks like 18 i guess is when you popped up so yeah what, what, was, yeah, I, what was that i have some like some um floating profiles that may or may not exist on youtube in other capacities other topics Same. but <laughs> <laughs> um to varying degrees of success right but mm. the idea is that okay just it's all about honesty right i watched mike corzimba and soon after i i caught on to you but it wasn't mm. right away and it was something about like his setup and the door being back there just a door and the whole time i'm thinking like what's behind the door right <laughs> and his videos were fine and i to this day i appreciate the entertainment that value and it was great like he was the model back then for me I was like, I could do this, but like, I still want to know what's behind the door. And I kind of figured that if I can incorporate like what's behind the door in my videos, not, not, you know, literally, but yeah. just part of the process, the thought process and not have it be such a clean thought delivered as if this is a fact and here it is, but here's a process and here's how I got to it. And here's how I got distracted by other things. And hopefully I get to a point by the end. So it's like, I mean, really, it was being perplexed by the idea of putting a door in your background, like just a white door that took up a third of the screen. And I wonder why, like, is that a choice? Because I just want everything to be a choice and not an accident. And if it's an accident first, it can become a choice, but just, you know, I don't know, be aware of the thing that you're, you're putting out there. And if you got a door, you got to show people what's behind the door at some point. Right. Yeah, yeah, you 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 answered that in only the way that you can, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, that's uh, yeah. So I guess figuratively, Mike Koizumba opened the door for your channel. Then I he guess did. The well, you're putting it. The door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, showed you the door. Absolutely. Um, I can't remember where I saw it though. It, it might have been again when I was just you know surfing your channel and you know looking at the style, being fascinated. But you you had a lot of you obviously had a lot of prior video experience as well. Um. I think I saw you talking about that at one point. I I uh, I did. Um, I've always worked in video production my entire uh, career. I guess post college, um, I've had you know a dozen different jobs in a dozen different industries, doing you know pretty short lived because I every year a year and a half I would just quit a job and move somewhere else, um, kind of on a whim. It's kind of the nature of everything. Anyway, so point being that. Um, I uh, built these videos and told these stories for other people, and I kept trying to figure out a way to tell somebody's story um, that was a little more personal or had just a little bit more insight into who they were. And I realized one day, and this, after seeing Korzimba videos and a few other people, I was like, I can apply this to something, the skills that I've learned professionally, to something I enjoy. And it kind of it distills down to basketball. Like, it really is a the core of, you know, me growing up and kind of my perspective on things. Basketball was always in the middle of it. I mean, from the fight I had with my parents when I wanted to quit playing the trumpet because uh -huh. I wanted to play basketball and they conflicted because basketball practice was on music day. <laughs> and I mean, that was a fight, man. <laughs> but then meeting my best friends I've ever had in playing basketball, you know, slowly converting my, you know, my wife into a Warriors fan, even though she's from New York City. 
Well, right. I mean, it, it couldn't have been that hard, right? I mean, the Knicks have been terrible my entire life, so <laughs> it's weird how it's like how pervasive the Knicks are. Like it becomes yeah. a, a personality trait. It's like right. an identify. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, right. I mean, but it's thin. Once you crack it, it's very thin. Like it's not thick, but it's strong. Uh, it's strong. I don't know what material you would compare that to, but uh, the the Knicks fandom. If you sit down there and reason with somebody or lock them in a closet for a while, you could break them and get them to be, I don't know. Uh, and it, it also helps when your, your team goes on a massive run for like five years as well. I, I guess that was, you're able to like persuade her a bit when the, when oh, the jewelry right. comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like the worry, I mean, I've been with her for a while. We've dated for mm. a while. And so I've had a lot of time to work with her and she's seen all the success. Mm. So with the Warriors. And I mean, I don't know, like the Warriors are another part of that. Like they were a part of my story um the like even just getting into basketball entirely it was mm. the idea of i mean I, I like basketball i i started playing in the third grade but because i started a new school wait this is a diff- this is a question you have at some point but we can go right into it if you want to Oh uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's naturally happening. So yeah, just let it go. Yeah, because I was gonna for the audience, I was gonna ask him how he got into basketball. Everyone has an origin story. So yeah, since it's since it's going there, go ahead. Right. I mean, I I enjoyed playing basketball, but I started a new school from second to third grade, and I I don't know, it just didn't take like the people in me until this one kid, his name's Ryan. I remember him this day. He brought a little small basketball to school, and it was a smaller school, and we all went out back. And Ryan and the other kids who I had no friendship with, and this little guy who was about four foot three, named Jose, who punched me in the face one day, I was now able to dominate him on the basketball court. And it just took. <laughs> and ever since then, that's all we did is play basketball. But it was always with the little ball for that whole year. We played with that little ball. Right. So right. transitioning to the bigger ball was, you know, that was a process. But remember those little balls, those little ones? Was that a thing in your life? I mean, the ones that you shoot into, like, a mini hoop, or... Yeah, like, this kid brought it to school, and we played mm-hmm. on a regular rim, but it was the ah. small ball. Okay, yeah, every, everyone's done that at, at, at some point, yeah. Just for yeah. whatever reason, just throw it in there. You realize it's much easier. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it was, like, a combination of that, and then I had a natural jumping ability, so I could just sky over this kid who just tormented me. And it it, it reset the balance of, like, respect and everything. The game did. So, so as people dunk on... Right? Yeah, so so people these days dunk on each other on like Twitter, but you were able to actually like dunk on your your nemesis in real life, and that's what got you into basketball. It's a revenge story, basically. <laughs> yes, redemption, <laughs> revenge, whatever you want to call it. Like that's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think like regardless of whoever I bring on the show, I don't think they're gonna have a more interesting like basketball origin story. Normally, it's like oh, I saw a jersey or I saw some shoes or my dad took me to a game, but. Yeah, this was your form of like this. This is something I would have expected to hear from Kobe, honestly. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It sounds, yeah. like, it sounds like that type of thing, you know. <laughs> that's 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 great. That's great. Um, so that got you into basketball. Uh, are you a lifelong Warriors fan? Oh yeah, from the day I was introduced to basketball, and and the story. I mean, it's I don't. I feel like I'm not romanticizing it. I feel like it is actually how it happened. Right. Right. But my. Um, we went to was going to church with my parents and my sister, right? This is in Oakland, California, right? We're going to some little small church in some little hallway, right? And this one day, my parents were like, your uncle is going to come bring, take you out of church and take you to a basketball game. Mm. And I, 
like they said it and i <laughs> i don't know if it processed because this was that church that goes long like they just let it go until right. they let you go right yeah anyway, yeah, yeah. So, um i don't know yeah if that's much of a thing these days but the point was that i kept looking at the back right to see him just come through because i didn't know how he was going to really just get me out of church right mm-hmm. and then it just happened. The back doors just opened up, right? And it's all this light comes right down. It's like Jesus walked in. There's a light coming down. I've been <laughs> saved. Years, right to the preacher in the middle. <laughs> and it was my uncle, right? Not in church. Right. He was in like the hangout, just going to the basketball game gear. Mm. And I saw him. I was like, it's really happening. I was out of there so fast. You know, he came back. He was very polite. Talked to Usher. And then I went back. Then we left. We went to the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, and I tell you this, the first person I saw walk out on the court, and I was very young at this point, was Manute Bowl. Uh, and it was a wrap. That was it. That was it. I don't know. It was when I saw him, I understood this was a, this is like a circus, but it was also <laughs> like like the most supreme skill. Like they they're 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 bringing in the largest people in existence in human current modern modern history and they're making them play basketball and this guy was bombing threes back then so it's like the dna of like the warriors basketball it's like it was right there molly was there chris mullen tim hardway i don't think he was playing that game i think he sat that game but the new bowl was there and we were close enough to really get a, a a good grasp of how insanely mythical that type of a human can be right yeah yeah right right so that was it it was imprinted on me or whatever it is and I, that I, I have no choice i stuck with the warriors for all their losing and uh you know finally get to enjoy some basketball like yeah yeah absolutely god yeah. calm down people <laughs> you, you, des- you 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 deserved the uh the mid 2010s run that they went on basically <laughs> right i mean yeah. I, nobody deserves anything in life yeah, but yeah, i think yeah, i got close to it for just being yeah. around i guess for sticking out yeah, we, we could all use uh, an uncle like that to take us out of like a two, three hour long church session to a Warriors game or to <laughs> a basketball. I could have used that a couple of times. Right. Uh, now, and the thing <laughs> was, we walked in the stadium and it was like, this is this is where I'm just making it a bigger story than it was. Hmm. It was like, I feel like hmm. every old stadium was just hazy, right? right? Like it just had a haze in it. Maybe they had some smoke or something, but it was just, it felt like I was walking into this frozen time walking down the stairs and we kept walking further down because i didn't know where our seats were i was like are we getting closer that close it was like not courtside but it was like this second section decent seats you can see how big the players are so it was amazing you kept walking closer and closer and closer yeah, yeah. the only time i ever been that close in in oakland coliseum was when i saw the ultimate warrior wrestle papa shango i don't know if anybody's a, a wwe fan from the 90s but uh, the Ultimate Warrior got his ass kicked by Papa Shango and terrified. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel same like, thing. Um, I feel I feel like Manute Bowl was probably the most mythical introduction anybody could get to basketball because that's what you think when you think basketball. You think super tall, like unattainable skill, basically. <laughs> and this is the first I feel guy like you saw. You might have people did. I I don't feel like the appreciation might be. I'm not you know ragging on current young people like young people mm. write their own narratives it's great it's like it, it's how it gets a, a new audience and a new connection you can't just keep hanging on to old narratives like give us some new ones it's fine but don't be lazy about it um actually fine be lazy about it just be interesting i guess that's the that's the point right. but like 
I don't know if the appreciation for how rare these humans are matters to people these days. Yeah, my uh, I think I think my introduction to that I mean it's not as cool as being snatched from search and seeing when you hole, but I think uh, I can't remember where the Foot Locker was, but they had footprints of basketball players because you know they're advertising their shoes and so I stick my at the time like size nine or nine and a half feet into I can't remember I might have been Blake Griffin or somebody just somebody that doesn't look that big on TV like you know you, you know since you've been to games you've seen on the court they look way different than on TV that's when you really realize like damn uh but yeah when I when I was able to see that or in that NBA city they used to have at Universal down here in Orlando that's where I'm at and I think they had Shaq's handprint in a basketball so those little things those like fossils that they leave behind is what kind of shows you like yeah, this is uh, this is this might be unattainable for me. <laughs> Just maybe. <laughs> did you have hoop dreams? Did you? Oh, who didn't? Hey, every basketball so, fan. When did right? you wake up from your hoop dreams? I, yeah, this is the thing. <laughs> when me and my buddy woke up from our hoop dreams. When was um, yours? Okay, so I started being a basketball fan around a third grade. Uh, around high school is where I started to say, "Oh yeah, I could. You know, I could do this. I could. I can practice right. all day and become a pro." Right. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say by around the time I was like uh, I would say around a, a little bit before the time I was like applying for colleges and really trying to figure out what I was gonna do with my life. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think the whole the whole pro thing is gonna happen. But I think mostly being in like a uh, so in our school, our uh, varsity head coach, his son played for the team as well. And I thought I think it was my twelfth grade year. I was probably trying out for varsity. I didn't really know how the whole thing worked. And his son is tall. He's like six something or whatever. Of course, I'm five nine. And uh, they're doing some type of drill. I don't remember what the drill they had us doing was, but it involved his dad passing the ball right over the top of me to his like six foot something son. And so, <laughs> yeah, his son has obviously got a spot on the team already. And so around that time, I'm like, you know, I love this game. I, I love 2K. I'm going to watch basketball forever. I'll play it recreationally. But, uh, you know, on top of the fact that I was one of those like really good students as well and there is uh 24 hours in a day it was kind of a thing where it's like look there, there's ap u.s history there's chemistry and all this and then there's basketball practice I'm like yeah I, th- I think i'm a, i think i'm gonna be one of the you know the regular humans <laughs> but i could admire this though i think i think that's probably around it so yeah around high school it kind of there, there was gradual hints it was gradual hints i mean you I said you last it lasted all the way till college applications like you held, you held yeah. on to it man well, yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, it was a gradual thing. So I think you can really pinpoint around like the 10th or 11th grade. And, you know, okay. I, I, I was a person, I had a dad who was very supportive. And so as he's telling me like, oh, you know, the, the NBA might be your life, might be your future. And I'm just telling him like, yeah, I got to, like college is coming up. I got to figure out what I'm doing next. Like I, I don't really have time to, to, at the time, I think what I told him was I don't really have time to dream anymore, which is a terrible thing, by the way, because uh, what I'm doing these days, like at some point, this was a dream. So I don't advocate ever stop dreaming. You're only here for a certain amount of time. So I don't want to get all cliche, but you know. Did you literally say that to your dad? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, we were in the car. I remember, I don't remember which year it was, and I don't remember how we got on the topic. But I was like, yeah, you know, I just I don't really have time to dream anymore. And uh, you know, high, high school was a really like soul sucking experience. So that was probably at a time where, yeah, that was probably at a time or a week where I was just like really going through it, and that you know that came out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's how that happened. <laughs> and there's so much like this is not a. Uh, reminisce about high school basketball podcast but like there's mm. just so many stories about that moment of where you realize you think you're good or you think you have a chance and then you're like this is like there's a different level to this right right so you I, played in high school obviously 
I, it's fun. I played in junior high school, and then I, I missed the freshman team. I don't know why. I still don't know why I missed the freshman team. I was at the peak of my powers freshman year, and I was still not short at that point, comparatively to other basketball players. Right. Um, and then sophomore year, I made the JV team. And there was a point in, during the JV basketball uh, the season where I just got so sick of practice that I, like, I don't know if I faked a quad, like a, a, a hamstring pull, but I just wanted to sit out of practice. Hmm. And I, I feel like I did. Maybe it's because I wasn't running. I, I don't know. But the point is that the coach called me out on it. He was like, you got a hamstring in your hip pull because you don't practice. <laughs> and I got so mad about that. I was like, because he called me on my BS truthfully, but I hated him for it because I was still, you know, a teenager, right? Mm. Very next game, like two players were out because of for whatever reasons, right? High school reasons. And I started sometimes, but I was like a six man. I came in, I literally got 30 rebounds and 20 points. And stared at the coach every time I came down the court. <laughs> That's <was> crazy. <laughs> you had your Iris moment. We talking about practice? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about practice. Let's <laughs> talk about practice. Hey, that's that's great, man. That's great. Yeah. And so, the, so when was your, your actual moment in high school though? When you realized that? Because that wasn't the moment, right? Where you realized, oh, like, there's, realized a, there's a what? yeah, there's a gap, and this isn't going that much further, basically. I mean, part of the reason I didn't want to practice because there was somewhere else I wanted to be. Um, which was somebody, some girl's house I shouldn't have been going to. But the <laughs> other part was that um, it was the consistency. Like, in order to actually – I feel like I had the raw talent in order to just exist in high school basketball, maybe some D5 school, I don't know, somewhere if that exists. <laughs> um, but it was just, like, the consistency. You had to keep showing up. You had to keep putting all your all into the practices and stuff like that. And, you know, you're at that age. You have different interests and things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it was taken away from that, but I was still able to hang around long enough. And then after that JV season in 10th grade, I was thinking, you know what? Next year, I think I want to, like, do photography. Mm. <laughs> Some crap like that. Mm. Which is funny because it's led to every job I've ever had yeah, in video exactly. production and editing and stuff like that. Happened for a reason. But, I mean, it It doesn't make it's, – it's not a it, – there's no virtue in what I'm saying necessarily. It's just that – you got to have that extra bit of obsession for the thing oh, in order to driving you through that. And you're like, I mean, even when you said it's time for me to stop dreaming, it's not that you weren't, you were saying stop dreaming. It's like, you got to live in the reality that you're facing. Right? Yeah. That's what you're dealing with. And you got to make some hard real life decisions. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was kind of a collective thing, but it was in 11th grade, 11th grade. I, I woke up from my hoop dreams. Okay. So it's around the same time then. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So life, life just kind of caught up with you. And I, I, yeah, what you said was perfect about the obsession because that's what I realized I didn't have in high school as well. Cause I, I, I grew up privileged. I grew up privileged. I had, you know, a bunch of support. I could do other things so I could, I could have my focus on other things. And so when it came to that versus I gave my entire soul to this, this one thing, it's like, look, I love it, but I'm not, I'm not brutally obsessed to where, you know, it's going to go much further. So I could, I could understand how that happened. I think that's probably that aside from, you know, talent, that's probably how it happens for a lot of people is, uh, you know, focus and then splits. the people who don't have that six, seven inch growth spurt over a summer. Yeah, like, that too. Yeah. I was waiting for that. That didn't happen. <laughs> I was good. You know, you say you were waiting for it. Cause I was, I was waiting for it. You were waiting for it. Right. Like painfully, like every summer is like, is well, it, it yeah, I went to a, uh, Cause like I, I went to like I bounced around to a lot of the schools in my area. There was like two schools for like elementary and middle school and whatnot. So I bounced around a lot, 
And uh, I think maybe like ninth or 10th grade, I went to the other school's football game and I hadn't seen like a lot of my friends in a long time. And they had like grown, like they'd sprouted up, facial hair, all this shit like that. And then I'm like, I'm still here. I still look like I did two years ago. And I'm like, so what part of the game is this? Like, when does this happen, <laughs> basically? <laughs> yeah, so, hey, man, look, I can't, I can't complain. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, the growth spurt, yeah, it happens for some, not for others. Some people, I'm trying to think of specific players that we've read stories about. Like Anthony Davis, he had that crazy growth spurt, right? He was a point guard, I believe. Then, That's such an interesting one. I, I think about I think about I think about Anthony Davis and his origin story uh, <laughs> more than I should. Yeah, like I always wonder. I mean, just by the pure numbers, there's the amount of people that played basketball before their growth spurt, got good at it, and then had a growth spurt, and remained good and got to be the best. Right? Those people are they are the elite. Right? They those are the ones who define the NBA and they will be all-time players and they could probably play in any era, right? Um, Because they played basketball before they had their height. And then there's there's a lot of ones who they were discovered as tall or they were brought in as tall and said, hey, here's basketball. And I always wonder, are those really the best players? Are those the ones that really could have been the best or are those just the ones that, I don't know, the circumstances uh, fit? Because I always think about, is the NBA the best? Are these the best players in the world right now? Are these the best players or best possible players in the world right now? And I think we're edging towards that, um, and we're getting closer to that if we're not there. I think that when we do achieve like peak status where the entire world has accessibility to the NBA, and if you're a good player in some third-world country, somebody will notice you because you can get your, your face out and your highlight reel out, I think everybody under six foot six will no longer exist in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, so you, you think that they're going extinct, basically. The Isaiah Thomases of the world that are on Twitter trying to get a job back, it's, it's not going to happen at yeah, past yeah, a certain point. All of them. All of them. Because <laughs> the bar is already so, like, low, right? Like, Isaiah Thomas got one injury, and that was it. The hip, like, hit him in. Other players come back, got guys come back from Achilles, but if you're under six feet and you, you get hit, like, you're, you're toast right now. Room for error is crazy. It's not crazy. Here's where I knew it was over for Isaiah Thomas. This was, I think, his all-star season. This is when he was, uh, that big season he had, right? That one big season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was the all-star game, and I think he caught, like, a long rebound off of a miss. God, I'll have to find this clip. Uh, have, have your staff pull up this clip. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, no, 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 it was Russell Westbrook who caught the rebound. And Isaiah Thomas met him out at, like, the baseline, at the three-point line to guard him. And, you know, it's like all those moments where it's like you, like the audience realizes that, oh, Kobe's got the ball and Jordan's guarding him. Or, you know, Shaq's got the ball and, you know, I don't know, David Robinson's under the rim. Like one of these things where the audience has a second to realize what's about to happen. And you know what people did when they saw that matchup in the All-Star game? Laugh. Oh my goodness! I swear to you, I think about this clip a lot. I don't remember this at all. I got y'all have to pull this one up. <laughs> so just people. Hey, back, it, it could be it could be reversed where Isaiah had the ball and Russell was guarding him, but I don't think that was it because that wouldn't have been as funny. But it was mm. that Russell was out there and he was doing. I don't remember what he was doing that year. That, was that his? 
when Isaiah had a great okay, this is like back background research. I don't know what the it's 2017 where, when Isaiah Thomas had like the MVP type year, his best year. Yeah, it's 2017. What was Russell Westbrook doing that year? Was that his big year? Russell Westbrook was the 17 MVP. He was yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so Isaiah's pulling up on Russell, and Russell has the ball, and it was like, how cute is this? this little guy is up against me. And people giggled. I swear the announcers giggled. Oh my and I was God. like, oh no, this, <gasps> this like, this is the seriousness right now cutting through because you're small and this is not a small man's game and you have a limited amount of time until there's a six foot six Ukrainian who can shoot and is just as fast as you. So what are you here for then, Isaiah? And I feel Steph Curry, you know. Damian Lillard, these guys are great, and Seth Curry is going to go out in history, and we can talk about him in a little bit if this doesn't go till midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they're they dinosaurs. In <laughs> 10 years, there will be nobody under six foot four in the NBA. All right. I will, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to keep this clip, and I'm going to check back in 2031, I guess you're approximating. <laughs> uh, 2032. 2032. 2032. There you go. Nobody under six foot four in the NBA. And yeah, those yeah. people who are six foot four are going to be dynamic players like those guys will have seven foot wingspans and dunk from the free throw line the uh, say there's no reason. like what what is the reason for a small basketball player if the world finally is has the accessibility to get good at basketball and enter the nba you are uh, absolutely crushing the dreams of a couple of thousand people listening to this at the moment they got a few years left <laughs> a few years they can they can make it in. No, uh, you're talking about. It's funny you're talking about the Isaiah Thomas and you know the giggles with Russell Westbrook. But I know you have the the picture of the meme. It, it's basically a meme. That's how crazy it yeah, is yeah, of yeah. Dirk posting up Isaiah Thomas. You you have I'll that the one where LeBron dunking on Isaiah oh, Thomas. I mean, there's that too, and it wasn't even a dunk, but it's remembered as a dunk. Like we we will probably remember that as a dunk, but it's 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 a meme. This, okay, so that's a second meme picture right there. I, that's not the one I was thinking of. So I don't know how many of these exist, but. Yeah, they're memes, basically, when you see them. It wasn't a dunk? That was not a dunk, no. Uh, that was, I think, Isaiah Thomas successfully fouled him, maybe, or maybe oh. it rimmed out. Because, nah, we, we haven't seen that one recycled on Twitter enough for it to have been a dunk. Trust me, we would have. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> every, like every Ja Morant uh, attempt. <laughs> hey, I'm not mad at those. Bro. People were throwing fits over those. I get it, but, the you know... Yeah, it would have been nice to have finished it over Kevin Love, but they show it as much as they were showing it as much as if he actually finished it. So I, I get people's issue with it. That was a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm going to kind of circle back around a little bit. We were talking about YouTube when you know, we were talking about YouTube before the podcast and before we got on this. Um, your videos are like I'm wondering about the process. Because you're what, what, what I said earlier, like you can't duplicate what you do. You're able to go in on an idea and like, I don't know the words for what I'm trying to say. You're able to expand on it far more than I think anybody else would have the patience to. So what is the process like making your videos from like maybe scripting to, OK, I'm going to have a video on this topic. And then there's going to be this really minute detail that I'm going to break down like crazy as well. You, you, you get what I'm trying to say here? Basically, your process on that, because that's that's insanity. <laughs> that's what sets you apart. It, I feel like my goal in all of this is just to share a process. So anybody who wants to, and I feel like there's a couple of people who have kind of taken it and run with it. They're not big channels at all, but mm. 
the idea is that I made um, a choice very early on, and I've like I've nailed it and missed it plenty of times. But I think there's a you know 20 videos on there where I got exactly what I wanted, which is to be completely honest to a thought process, right? So if I'm fixated on a topic, um, you know, just dunking or whatever it is, or LeBron James or whatever uh, in the way he answers questions in post-game interviews. Um, or, uh, what I do is I'll sit down and write, and if I get just an inkling of a, of a, of a tangent or a side topic, I, I told myself long ago that I just have to go with it. Okay. So I'm, and it's painstaking sometimes because I want to cut these things down or I want to make them direct and just to the point. Um, but I said that the basis of the channel is that I have to be completely honest to whatever my thought process really was. I see. So if I'm going off on something and I get a different idea, I just, I have to go with it and see where it takes me. Sometimes I cut it out because it just ends up nowhere, but I mean, the amount of stuff that I've just cut is ridiculous. Like, I feel bad that I cut a lot of stuff at this point because I feel like I can be, I'm being more honest now, even though um, it may not reflect uh, in the traffic. But the idea is that every single idea that pops in my head is worth it. That's it. And I think a lot of people think their little side thoughts aren't interesting or aren't worth it. And to me, I think those are the most telling because it's like, well, how did you get from this to that? I, I want to show, I want people to just see how I got from this to that. And then ideally I want to somehow wrap back around and get to the main point. But the main, the, my promise to myself was just to always be honest to my thought process. And I have a lot of tangents. So I just keep them. And that's, that was the formula. That's it. So if you, it, it could be a very narrow thing. Like there was a video I did on, um, Jason Terry getting dunked on by LeBron James, um, you know that you know that one, yeah, right? Yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one. And I, I, I felt like Jason Terry made all the right decisions. No, there's nothing he could have done to avoid that. And I wanted to do a blow by blow, a second by second, um, uh, recap of his thought process in that moment and why he was making all the right decisions until it went all wrong for him. But within that, you know, it's like a 20-minute video or 17-minute video. I go off on a variety of little tangents. But as long as I feel like I can bring it back. Because um, there's so many things that come up when you're talking about these things. Like when he hit the ground, he looked like he was dead and LeBron was staring <laughs> over him. Like that just looks like – it just looked like a lot of different things worth talking about. Right, right. So that's the formula and that's what I've uh, – I, I made that decision day one. And I feel like I've nailed it probably 30% of the time. So th I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, no, that make that makes complete sense. Yeah, that that puts some of the pieces of the puzzle together from some of the videos that I've watched, and that that's great, great explanation. Um, so I do wonder also the other part that's not able to be duplicated is your actual editing style. Does that just come to you, or is that just from years of like the photography and what you've done in previous jobs? Because your style, I mean, I I haven't seen it. If somebody else has been able to like perfect that. I haven't seen it because it's very random, but it still makes sense. Like that's, yeah, that's hard to do. That's very, that's very difficult to do. Uh, there's, there's two things that happened a long time ago. I realized that people get it. People will always give you the benefit of the doubt for the B-roll that you put up. Right. 
even if there's just a slight connection to what you're saying, even if it's abstract, people will will reach for you. Hmm. You know, so if you're talking about one thing, you put up some random video that feels like it has no connection to it. Your the audience will be like, "Wait, what does this mean? Does this mean something?" So, um, I I try to find things that are slightly removed that may take a leap of faith to connect from an you know, audience to be like, oh, okay, I see the connection there. There is. I'm not doing anything. Just I'm not just trolling people, putting random video up saying, okay, now you make the connection. <laughs> All right, right. Maybe I've done that, but I, you know, not much. I try mm-hmm. to stay faithful to the fact that there's something relevant here. Um, the other part is I feel like there's. I'm pulling from a lot of different um, types of video productions. Um you know, I used to watch a lot of the like uh, movie video essays before a few years ago, before I started the channel. And I like the way they put their video essays together, um, you know, pulling apart, I don't know, the dark night for the thousandth time. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to apply that to a different genre. And also just the years of me trying to make very boring topics look interesting. Um, including jobs I had in the financial industry, in the fitness industry, making videos and highlight reels for these things and trying to find interesting things to put over these videos and these people talking. And I was like, I can t- take that same topic or same idea, same approach for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you don't have to... And I've got to get better with this because obviously there's, you know, people snatch your videos if you use too much copywritten stuff. Yeah. But... Um, just distorting things. You know, there's a lot of odd pictures I've put up, a lot of takes on people, and I'll put a fourth eyeball on the side of their head and run it through (laughs) some program that makes them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just something to look at. So it's like, part of it is that I I think it's, it, um, it helps people to kind of stay on their toes, but also just something interesting to look at right that's it yeah yeah absolutely that's what it comes down to it's not that complicated yeah it's funny the the explanations for all of these that you know as you're giving them i'm kind of like wow how didn't i how didn't i make that connection on my own because they're very common sense very you know simple things for something that comes out like a like a masterpiece pretty much as you've been told in the comments um so yeah how so how long does a video take you to make because i know obviously your channel is much different in that you know you're not striving to keep up with basically NBA YouTube putting out videos as often as they can. And, you know, it's very difficult with the process that you have anyways. How long is that really taking you to make something like the John Stockton video? I'm sure I think you probably have more than one, but yeah, videos like that. How long is that? Uh... <laughs> I have more than one John Stockton video. <laughs> Do you, or is it just the one? Cause it became yeah. such a, it became uh it became such like a, a, a meme around your, around your channel that I, I thought you had more than one. <laughs> I do. I do have a couple of John Stockton videos. Yeah, you do. Okay. My, my my youngest son just busted in my door here. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hi. There he is. <laughs> there he is. What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> That's Dom. Yeah. All right. Close the door. <laughs> Bye, Bye. Uh, I don't know. Keep it. Cut it, please. I don't know. Yeah, that's great. Um. Uh, the John Stockton. It's God. It's like, and I feel like this is really like insightful but like very youtuber to youtuber type conversation here it's mm-hmm. like i i need to be i need to find an obsession over something and hope that that obsession outweighs my indifference or laziness to complete it and if i'm that mm-hmm. obsessed with it it 
will persist long enough for the week and a half for me to put it all together. Sometimes I'll make something and just get sick of it and it'll sit. And then I'll come back to it a month later. Um, it's kind of a big mess. The amount of videos that I have that are 75% done is kind of gross. It's really mm. gross and upsetting. Uh, you, you, got, you got things sitting in the lab that, are, that just need the finishing touch right now? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out a way, an excuse to just put them out as is, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what's a valid excuse to put out a video that's 66% done? Yeah, second channel. That's what we were talking about before we got on here. We were, yeah, we were just talking about that. Hey, just throw it on there. Didn't get done, unfinished, NBA, untold stories. I don't know. Right, but I mean, why not just put that on the main thing? Like, I don't know why, what the, like, what am I preserving by keeping things clean or completely produced on the main channel? Like, I don't know, I don't know what that's serving. And that's just kind of where I am now, where I could, I could dump 10 videos online tomorrow on, off the, on the channel and... It you know they they'd be good but people would they just stop they would stop like, <laughs> yeah. right 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 in the middle of one of those ideas yeah yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's torture or I don't know if that's like playing fair fair doesn't exist <laughs> by the way fair is a fake player. not at all yeah yeah so, an idea oh, oh we got a countdown here Let's oh yeah that's just my yeah that's just my non-streaming equipped camera that's it okay <laughs> yeah yeah we're good uh so but I mean mostly hopefully I get um fixated on an idea and i'm able to just get through at least all the recording in like two to three days you know especially if i'm going to like do stuff that's just not voiceover um and then the editing like three to six days if i'm just on it you know mm-hmm. it's just little stuff little stuff um that's ideally what the the, the process is but it's like it's like interest and then just entropy or apathy, whatever the one, the negative ones are, the ones that are just, you know, a rock sitting there for a right, minute. right, like that. Yeah. That's that's it. I mean, yeah, that's where I yeah. am. Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely get that. Yeah, that's why I was wondering because yeah, I, I see you've also kind of transitioned a bit to the live shows that I was on. I was on your show like two weeks ago, basically, and those have kind of become videos in their own right as well. What's that? What's you know, what's what's with the turn there where you've been going to? I don't even know what you what, what, what do you call those? Those are I, I just called it a live show, but it's produced like the guy like you had the toy at the beginning, and it's like a whole thing that's going on like you're performing it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's different type of content than you've been doing. Thank you so much for being on, by the way. Like you were, like you responded the day before the show. I just put the tweet out. I was like, you ain't gonna be on the yeah, show. Yeah. Like I yeah, didn't know the best way Yeah, who reads what? Um, that was I just like, happened to see it. I just happened to be scrolling on notifications. Just... Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have saw it like, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's what I expected, and it would have been no hard feelings, right? But um, that was awesome that you came on. <clears throat> and the other two guys I'd never spoken to before that day. Um, there was another guy. A couple other guys who were going to be on the show, who might be on the show. Um, I, have, I have a buddy of mine who, who was a fan of the channel who says, I would like to help you like do things. He gets people to respond somehow. It's crazy. Like There's a couple mm. people. This guy, I, can't, I don't know if I should say it, but uh, the guy who wrote um, The Jordan Rules might be on the show next month. Oh, wow, I read that book. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. that old guy, like, that guy's been, what is he doing these days? So, yeah, yeah. might be on my show next month. It's crazy, but... I'll ask him about Leroy Smith. Um, (laughs) But the show is like, I I want the show to be as much like one of my produced videos as possible eventually. I want it to feel like a a produced thing, like a a performance at some point. 
But we're just kind of feeling it out. It's only been four or five episodes. Um, we'll have guests on once or twice. And I thought it worked out. I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, need, yeah. I need to figure out how to like, um, optimize them. You know, like clip them and put them, post them, repost them or whatever it is. You know, right. pouring champagne on my uh, five-year-old's head. Did well for the few hundred people who've seen it. But, you know. Yeah. There's yeah. got to be a way to get that out to more people. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's it's a complicated thing for like how many moving parts there is with that. That's why I was interested in, you know, how that came about. And uh, yeah, I could definitely see that being interesting with more people like the like the author that you have on there uh, with you and, something. No, well, yes, of course, I've got something. Yeah, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's like with this conversation, I feel like there's a lot of just there's not a performative aspect to it. I feel like we're just talking and it's kind of it's honest, right? And that's what I really want the show to be, including things like behind the scenes decisions. Like there was a point in one show where I really didn't like what was going on. And I wrote like a message to like the technical guy. It's like, hey, this is not working out. Like I want people to see that. I want people to see things going wrong or me not knowing what's happening. And the producer, my buddy Ian, saying like, you got to prepare for this. Like I want everything to be on stage, even the ugly stuff, so people can... I don't know, enjoy it in a range of emotions and not just see it as a performance, but like we're trying to put something on, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the background. I just want it all to somehow be visible um, to an audience. And that's what I'm striving for is pure, like honesty. For example, like we have a, a live viola <laughs> player, Trevor, like he's yeah. the best thing that's ever happened, right? His vibe, everything's awesome. great this guy. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is he's become more of a personality in the show. And I feel like he's stepping away from his music responsibility. Mm. So I, I'm introducing the concept of bringing on a, a second musician to backfill the things that he's not doing now that he's becoming a, a personality. And I want all, you know, I, I haven't introduced that to them yet. I don't know if he's going to be offended by that. But <laughs> I want everybody to see that process as an honest process. So if that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, no, it all makes sense, yeah. The, as uh, part of the show. Right, right. Yeah. As part Every, of the basketball show, yeah. Yeah. Every everything on your your content creation side is honesty. You mentioned that with the uh, you know the writing process and how you get to your ideas. Yeah, it, it all ties together. Um, so speaking of honesty, then what is your current? If you really have one, is do you have a current goal on YouTube? Basically, or oh, are you okay. just kind of you just kind of going at it? Yeah. How, how was that for you? Today? Kevin Durant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we're gonna get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there. I'd love to. You know, I'd love to get to a hundred thousand. Uh, subscribers one day i'd love to just there was a point god it's crazy like there was a point in 2019 where i was really hitting a stride and things were going really well and yeah, every video was a solid amount of views yeah. you know what happened i got a call from bleacher right and they were like hey let's do some things together and they're in new york i had just moved to the new jersey area and I had some meetings up there and worked on some things. And it just kept taking more and more time. And what they wanted from me was this one thing first. And it started get, it kept getting willed down to something that was almost nothing, right? And I thought I made something pretty good. It was about James Harden and his, uh, like his, um, his visual trickery with his beard, right? I feel like mm -hmm. the beard was a strategic thing. I mean... Beyond the idea of just like the head toss back being more visible <laughs> when you have five or ten extra inches here, you know. Also, right, right. if you look closely, people will hit his beard and he'll pretend as if he got hit in the face. And it's like that all this extra real estate down here 
that is in fair play. It's in the game. <laughs> the man can utilize this, and the referees are all in on it, right? And I'd imagine right, maybe right. his beard, act, his chin actually was as long as his beard. I made this little video, it was like a minute, and you know it did fine, whatever. But it just took like two and a half months of back and forth, and my chin, and I just let the channel just drift off. Yeah. Of Right, I killed my momentum. I came back, you know, I'm still there, obviously, and I feel like mm. you can get back to those positions, but I just got pulled away from it. Um, oh, and then obviously the uh, pandemic hit and Bleacher Report like cleared their offices out. Mm. And so, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I got didn't help anything. You know what's funny? There was one point where when I was coming up with the idea, they said, whatever you do, just don't make a video about LeBron James or Anthony Davis. They told me that. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, no problem. Like, whatever. I wasn't planning on it. But it was weird. Like, they were protecting that image or protecting that for somebody else's voice to, to huh. say, whatever you just don't make it about LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Right. All right. I mean, we yeah. know what your spin is, but. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's fine. I appreciate that. Hang on one mm -hmm. second. Okay. Yeah, I got you. It's my dog. That's all. <laughs> yeah that's what happens on uh that, yeah, that's what happens on youtube basically uh i had something similar happen to me way way before i started dom 2k it was like my first channel and yeah if you take like a any kind of prolonged break while you have momentum or whatnot youtube is unforgiving like i think that's what you know for people who don't post there or create content i think that might be something that's lost is it's really unforgiving so slightest mistake or like you know in your case you just got busy with something else and now you're you're back to square one kind of you know trying to recapture I, that so yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically, yeah, I've, I've experienced a bit of that before. Um, yeah, so that's you've been through all this, man. Like, you've been, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, after, after five years, there isn't much that I haven't seen other than, like, the complete death and obliteration of my platform. That's the only thing I haven't seen at this point yet. Um, yeah, that's why I don't stress, that's why I don't stress about the platform anymore, because it's like, whatever. You know, if you're gonna kick me off, kick me off. Um, <laughs> so, that's some interesting YouTube talk, basically. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Put that on the third channel, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I am going to get over to the, or back over to the basketball point, because we've, we've kind of, you know, gone back and forth here. Uh, since, yeah, you walked in and your first game was seeing Manu Bowl, so that was a good amount of time ago. So you've seen quite a bit of NBA history, more than the audience here has seen. Uh, I'm going to assume you've seen uh, a Mr. Michael Jordan play, probably in real life. Oh, I you know, I never saw, I never saw never. him in the stadium or anything ah, okay. but I, I definitely i i God, all those 90s game i watched with my dad we saw everything the only game I, I the only game i didn't watch in that whole era at least in the playoffs or in the finals was uh uh game six the second time around against the utah jazz mm. um and god i made oh, a you're saying you, you didn't see that one i, I, I heard we we're in the car driving back oh, from somewhere. Wow. I think it was church. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks because I bet somebody fifty dollars that the Jazz would win that series. And mm. people can say whatever they want. Like come y'all weren't there. Like you bet against him, Jay. Maybe you said this you said this was the second time around. The second, yes, the second one. I was like, So you no so way. you bet against MJ on his on his sixth championship. Yes, the Since final one. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I bet again fifty dollars. I didn't even have fifty dollars at that point. <laughs> I just there's some guy like I knew. 
Oh, man. And he was just like talking trash about the Bulls. I was like, you know, I'm going to bet you $50 at the Jazz win. God, uh-huh. he, he found me like the next week, like walking out of school. Like it was shady. It was so shady how this guy like was trying to get the $50 out of some kid. <laughs> oh man! I paid him. I eventually paid him. Like I'm yeah. like you know I'm like run or something. Yeah. Right, so. right, right. And I um, lost. Just yeah, back. yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um. So wow. So you you didn't see that one live. Uh. But okay. Was it was it a? I'm assuming this is probably a video on your channel. It feels like I've even seen it, but I might just be creating false memories. Was it a push off? Oh, the Jordan one. Yeah. No, I mean, no, 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 not at all. No, I mean, it, technically a hand on a, no. The, the momentum was carrying uh, Byron, Brian. Brian, right? Brian Russell. Yeah. Byron you know Russell. Uh, Brian, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, oh, not Brian, Byron, yeah. right? That was the whole thing, right? Um, it, was, it was, he was headed the other direction anyway. And it was just like a little bit of um, like a guide hand, um, which is funny because there's something that James Harden does that I might be crossing over into an obsession about. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw this the other day. And if there's a video about this, then thank you, Dom, because me talking about it now is, is stirring up the obsession. Just put it me was, in the uh, credits. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you, I'm going to put you in every like keyword. It's just going to be Dom 2K. Everything. <laughs> um, who was dunking he was against the Nets. I mean, uh, not the Nets. He was against the Clippers. So the Nets played the Clippers, and there's somebody was headed back on a fast break and dunked it. But James Harden was trailing, and he just lightly put his hand right on the guy's hip as he was jumping. We've seen this a lot, where like somebody's dunking or jumping, and they'll kind of somebody will push off a little bit. I think Joel Embiid got you know LeBron James knocked him over because he pushed him too far back from a dunk. It's all those ones where, like, you know, Blake Griffin is going up and he gets pushed back and he just throws it in. Like, that kind of concept. But that's not what James Harden does. He caught him from behind, just on the back of his, like, you know, of his of his hip. God, I don't know who it was. It might have been, might have been Paul George. I don't know. But he just slightly put his hand on his hip and just brought it down a little bit. And... The amount of appreciation I have for that move is incredible because it's playing the numbers, right? It's like the long game. And that's my whole strategy with everything is the long game, right? I feel like all my videos are evergreen. You could watch them now, the very first video, and it's still good. They're not expiring. So one day YouTube will be like, hey, you can watch any of this guy's videos. But you think about Tom Chambers when he dunked over Mark Jackson. Do you remember that dunk? He yeah. got all high up. Statue, basically. Yes. His knee hit Mark Jackson's chest just for a split second. And it sent him, just the momentum and the angle sent him another foot in the air, right? Yeah. Scotty Pippen dunk over Patrick Ewing. I made a whole hour long video about that. Yeah. That, that's where I found you. It just came back oh, to me as you say it. That's what, that was it. Yeah. That was one of my, I feel like I nailed my objective. My, yeah. Uh, so, he, uh, Patrick Ewing is jumping. And his knees are a little bent. Scotty Pippen, there's a point where like his leg like locks on to Patrick Ewing's leg as Patrick Ewing is going up. And I swear he got another three or four inches on his vertical because of that. And it helped. Right? Just the same way if their person's coming down, you could bring him down. And that's what James Harden does. He just a little bit of momentum downwards. Might take an inch off your lead. 
how many dunks are missed by an inch in a whole <laughs> in a whole career? And every time he's playing against an opponent, if he can take an inch or an inch and a half off of their leap, how much does that actually matter over the long run? It's just like it's, it's playing the numbers. And it didn't matter at that point because the guy dunked it. And I'm sure your staff will bring up the clip. <laughs> but in that moment, it just was so clear because he reached out, he put his hip there, his hand there. And that was it. No foul. No one's a call foul on that. There's no push. It was just a little bit of counter uh, momentum or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, this sounds think, like a. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. No, I just think that's James. That's James Harden in a single moment, like in in a split second. That's his philosophy on basketball: is finding the little <laughs> the little loopholes and the little ways to affect the game that people either didn't want to do or they think are stupid, and he just goes all in on it. I'm probably I'm sure there's a thousand clips of him just slightly putting his hand on people's hips who jump. He doesn't push. He's not forearm giving him a forearm. It's just light, and I, it was like I my eyes opened up. I was like, oh, okay. I get it. Like it's beyond just the threes, you know, or you know, right, or right. just the Houston way. Like now, on the flip side, on the flip side of that, there's the situation that you're describing, which was probably a fast break. I'm gonna guess. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a guy tries the James Harden move that you're saying, slightly grazes him, and ends up putting the hands on the hip, and they go flying. I'm sure you you have an example in your head. You've seen this. Where guys oh, get lightly touched on these with the with trying to stop holding back. I guess, I guess on accident they do. They they tried the James Harden move. I guess these NBA players are a little bit more hip to that than we knew, and uh, they end up flying out of air. Becomes a flagrant. Uh, that's the only. So you, uh, you have to perfect it, I guess. And I guess according yes. to Harden has perfected it because because well think talk about the the one LeBron James did to Joel Embiid recently. I'm not sure if you saw that. Like he went up to dunk and he like pushed him out and it looked kind of innocent but it was enough that Joel Embiid Joel Embiid couldn't even get to the rim so he's basically just jumping and throwing down and it threw his whole body off and it mm. was dangerous and I think you're you're crossing into some very unsportsmanlike dangerous play when you're messing with people in the air and I think it could happen like if let's say it was Paul George because he's somebody who would get hung on a, on the rim in an important <laughs> moment um if he would have missed or like in a bad way, it could have been bad because he didn't get that extra inch above the rim. Like getting hung yeah. on a rim hurts. Yeah. I don't know how many people watching this have been close to dunking or have dunked and then have not dunked like aggressively. It's not, it hurts. It goes down your spine. Yeah, it's called a spine tingler for a reason. <laughs> yes. yes. <Yeah. laughs> so there's like a nefarious like intent there by trying to take a few inches off their jump, but it's so gentle. And so subtle. And I was like, how? I'm not the only one to see this. I know this. And clearly he's been thinking about it. But it was very much intentional. Just a little bit. Just a this little one, bit. This uh, one, this sounds like one of those 75% finished videos you already have in the lab. Like, this is 100% <laughs> your type of content right here. And this is something yeah. that me nor anybody else would have noticed before it hits your channel. Because I, I would have saw that and been like, oh, like, I, you know, that's one of the millions of thoughts that passes through my head throughout the day. I would have never expanded on it. But I'm sure now that you, you are aware of it, you have an opinion on it and could probably expand on it for an hour. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm gonna leave that one to you. I'm gonna I'm, what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pay more attention to it now. Next time I see that in the game when they play the uh, Lakers soon, yeah, they actually at some point they play Lakers maybe March. LeBron's on a fast break. If Harden happens to be running back that play, <laughs> which 
which I don't I don't really know what the chances are, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be paying attention to that. Absolutely. Um, I do want to. So yeah, you you've seen many players. I don't. I, I've personally tired of the GOAT conversation throughout the years because through five years on NBA YouTube, like you see all types of arguments made about it. I've said my piece. So I'm kind of tired of it at this point. Anytime I find somebody who's seen, you know, more history than I have, I'm always curious what they think about it. So not necessarily if you want to go into who your GOAT is and you have one, sure. But I kind of wanted to know what you think about the LeBron and Michael Jordan dynamic, having seen them both in full. Yeah, well, mostly Michael. And then, yeah, you've seen LeBron in full. So kind of wondering your thoughts on that. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. There's a video, there's a video, there's a, I put this up on my, I ripped it from somewhere and I put it up on, on a, a second channel that I used to have. I still have it, but it's a, um, a comedy tribute to Michael Jordan from 1991, whenever they won their first championship. Mm-hmm. And it is a star studded celebrity fest and it was broadcast on one of the net i think abc or something like a, one of the networks right mm-hmm. and it was in chicago at their big theater whatever the big theater there is and it was all a tribute to michael jordan was he retiring no did he do something in the world that was spectacular that deserved you know magnanimous praise no he won his first championship and he had, was the mvp and they put on a primetime special with billy crystal and all these other celebrities like it was the Oscars. People don't understand what Michael Jordan was back then. And I think there's something that can never be eclipsed because just the way it is, because there's too many valves now. And back then, there really was one or two outlets. And it was the Michael Jordan propaganda was turned up beyond the... It's incredible. I saw a buddy that I follow on Twitter tweeted something out about how a huge portion of the NBA jerseys have this Michael Jordan silhouette on their jersey just for no good reason. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of good reason, but it's like, like that's a basketball player. He's on all of your jerseys, and you're trying to have a conversation about who the greatest of all time was. I mean, you can break down winning and the percentages and a lot of like their impact on the game, but just how big this human was like i saw some videos recently um and it reminded me like uh michael jackson right yeah you know he'd go out on stage and people would like i think i saw the same one i retweeted it i'm pretty sure yeah probably where i think that's probably where i saw it yeah yeah. that was hilarious that was was very young back then but i remember just michael jackson right and he was it was a different level there was zero people there were zero other performers on his level um people were faint just looking at this guy yeah and you could still say mike back then and half the people would think you're talking about michael jordan like Mm. michael jordan was on michael jackson's level i don't know if there's a pop star or a celebrity like you can't i don't know you can't there's nobody out there right now 
that 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 is is that far in the stratosphere and still you can be confused about who you're talking about when you say mike i mean there was mike tyson there was michael jordan and michael jackson right i feel like mike tyson he got lucky with it <laughs> but just the, the impact of that one human and the way he kind of navigated and developed things and obviously the brands and all that stuff in the shoes i feel like that all matters it all matters and it just you know and i'm, I'm not just repeating other people's tweets here but the fact six and oh like it, it just ruins the conversation. You can't <laughs> because there's something, the nature of being undefeated in a particular, in the highest manner, um, it just hits a different part of your brain, right? So you can have all the reason in the world for losing and all these, ex- not excuses, excuses are just a collection of reasons, but it's just some people that some people don't like. But there's not a pure argument for LeBron James, and that's where I think it comes down to. Because I always believe that the smallest, the shortest argument typically wins, even if it's a bad argument. Which leads <laughs> me to one of my the uh, uh, the moments that I enjoy the most. It's Kobe Bryant. Gosh, I've been me- trying to talk about this for like two years now. When he was t- somebody was talking trash to him, and he was yeah. like in the crowd, and he just starts counting. In Dallas, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the demonstration of the purest basketball argument that will never lose <laughs> in front of somebody's face. That's it. You can't lose that argument. Right, There's no right. words involved. There's no rebuttal. What are you going to like? do subtraction backwards? <laughs> like, There's nothing. Oh, well, you, you're fine. <laughs> like, that's it. All my, anybody who ever wants to argue on behalf of Michael Jordan, which is all you got to do. Right, and that's that's the one the the six and oh that's that's what Twitter kind of stupid, yeah like, yeah 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 that's the that's the argument that Twitter has has spent years yeah. at this point now trying to dismantle. It's a six and oh I mean it still comes out like you said whether or not it's a bad argument. It's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> like so simple. It's <laughs> it the just... simplest argument in history is no words. It, okay, okay, but let me ask you this be... though. Okay, but. Because naturally, probably even in the audience and in, in, in the comment section of this video, people are going to say, oh, Bill Russell's 11, to which you say. Well, there was a whole segment I wanted to do on the live show with you, which is like how to ruin an award. And I didn't I couldn't explain it properly. But the idea was that I was going to mention an award and you were going to get or the guests were going to give me a scenario on how to take all the meaning, just suck all the meaning out of it. And one of the examples was going to be Bill Russell's 11 rings. And the way you suck the meaning out of it is saying that there's only four teams in the NBA <laughs> at that point. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, exaggerating here. But there's like when there's like five competitors, right, right, it right. really drains the meaning out of winning. Right. <laughs> like, That's when, crazy, man. <laughs> when there's no, you know, uh, Djokovic's. You know, or anybody with any sort of foreign name, let alone any up like more than five black people in the league. <laughs> Come on, like it's 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 historical, but in terms of the sheer meaning of it, and obviously there's a lot of reasons that the man needs to be respected as one of the greatest of all time, but it's just not because of the winning. Like, <laughs> like I had a you know. Anyway, okay. I, I'm not disparaging Bill Russell. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're trying to say. Like, I, obviously. Say, yeah, I, I get what you're trying to matters, say. matters. And maybe he could just count to 11 and shut me up, right? <laughs> yeah, right? 
but then we look at how you know the rings are look like little small like i mean even just the size of rings i saw it was one of those oh uh, one of those nba um open court things that they do mm. was, uh, isaiah thomas griping about something and he had a, his ring on and it just looked like a high school class ring <laughs> And then yeah. Shaq had his rings, and they're just huge, even for Shaq's hands. Right, oh, right. Man, like, your ring looks stupid right now, Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, they're sli- slightly less glamorous than the, the ones that, like, cut, you know, the top comes off now, and there's, like, an entire <laughs> story inside, yeah. It's a little bit less glamorous than that. <laughs> it's like a fortune inside of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but crazy. I'm like, you can get it updated, you can get it worked on, it just looked dusty and small, and a relic <laughs> looked like something that should be behind a dusty-ass, like, uh antique store you know in topeka kansas like some random uh, store. Yeah, it's a, a championship ring you know like one uh, of those rings that comes out of like the the, the dispensaries at like a buffet yes. place or something like that yeah just <laughs> 25 cents that's crazy <laughs> hey we, we love we love isaiah thing. thomas and bill russell around here but this is fucking hilarious <laughs> i mean i love and that's the thing i think isaiah god i could talk about isaiah thomas for an extended amount of time because he's so mad and he's such a horrible person but he's got a great smile and he's gotten into everything this sounds like your next video this sounds like the next abstract topic that a, you can go on for this is a video that's not that i didn't finish ah, I, you gotta yeah. finish that one yeah. gotta finish that one because okay. you know i don't know do, do you see it the same way like i see isaiah thomas everyone can have an opinion whatever like if someone is in the comments and they disagree with your mj argument whatever Isaiah Thomas clearly has his opinion that LeBron is going to be the GOAT. But I don't know how much you get on Twitter or you look at tweets, but I feel like I feel like there's something more behind it. Because the, the amount oh, of times yeah. that he's had to reiterate this, every time there's a LeBron praise, he says his tag is let it be known. And it's something about LeBron being the GOAT or, you know, he's one day going to be the GOAT. And he's reiterated it so many times. I know it's that... I know it's related to Michael. I know it's related to that Team USA incident. Like you could just you could see it behind the tweet, behind that. Let it be known. That, I just wanted to know, yeah, if you interpret it the same way, or am I just reaching? Because I can, I can see it. No, you're interpreting <laughs> it the right way. Like you, you, it's you know it's difficult sometimes, and this is beyond just sports. It's just sometimes people just don't even like you can tell them exactly what you think, and they just don't hear it. They don't believe you for some reason. Isaiah has told us over and over again who he hates, who he does not respect. Yeah, and yeah, we, yeah. Like, we still want there to be some sort of mystery. I've always thought this, speaking of Michael Jackson, um, why was I thinking about uh, it? was one of those clips. There was like all this mystery about this guy. You know what? I thought about it because it was that and somebody else brought up a different um, musician or singer. And they were like wondering about them and why they're acting a certain way. And I'm like, they've written 12 songs about this. Like, if you <laughs> just listen to the lyrics in their song, they are saying exactly what they think. But we categorize it as just a song and we're just like, oh, that's a great song. All that misery and depression and stuff they hate. Great, 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 great. What's wrong with this guy? Why is he acting like that? Like, they just wrote it and they sang it to you. Like, it's in 4K. Like it's it's right here, <laughs> Ultra HD. <laughs> like they they poured their heart out and told you right. everything, and we're just like, what's wrong? So Isaiah has told us it's just these weird formats. I guess it's got to be the right format. It's got to be like a yeah. 60 minute interview or some sobering like camera angle where you know he sheds a tear. But the man's told us 
who he hates, why he hates them, what he's done, why he's done what he's done. So, of course, of course, it's Michael Jordan related. He hates yeah. the guy. Yeah, and it's not a coincidence that Bill Lambeer, even though I don't even think he's on Twitter. I've never seen a Bill Lambeer Twitter. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> e yeah, equally as, as frequent, I see a Bill Lambeer comment coming about LeBron being the GOAT as well. And I just I just don't believe in coincidences, man. Again, everybody can have their opinion, but I just don't believe in coincidences. And these things last. These things last. I remember watching Magic Johnson and Larry Bird's interview, and they were like, or Magic at the end of it was like, yeah, you, if you put the jerseys on right now, I'm ready to go. Like, these things, these these like we were talking about earlier, being obsessed, like, these things stick with them. And it's a sport, and it's a game, and we all love each other. These things stick, though, and you can tell that they stick. And so I've always found that, I've always found that hilarious with, with Isaiah Thomas. He's He's clearly touched. Michael Jordan tried to bury him. Like, he tried to eliminate <laughs> him from NBA history in insignificance. That was just, like, 30 years ago. And Isaiah's, yeah. like, 70. I don't know how old he is. But it's, like, yeah. that wasn't that long ago to him. Yeah, 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 like, absolutely. And it's not like he was just some guy down the street. It was Michael Jordan. Like, mm. the best at the thing that he did. You know? Right, right. Could he just forget it? Like, yeah. And them both, uh, and Isaiah Thomas, that's really got to say, Isaiah Thomas being from Chicago too, correct? Yeah, oh. he's from, yeah that's, that's a whole nother layer. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to move on because this could go on. We could do a dive into MJ and Isaiah yeah. forever. Maybe that'll be a, maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe that'll be another video for you. Um, so regardless, like at this point, I won't deny LeBron James being a GOAT candidate. And, uh, yeah, he has, you know, his history is going to be intertwined with Golden State. And yeah. I'm, I'm. This is where I get to the KD question. You can see it coming because the Warriors win in 2015. Whatever happened, happened there. 2016 comes, the Cavs win. Whatever happened, happened. Now you've got a you know, one-on-one. -on -one. This is fucking awesome. This looks like it's going to go on for some time, or maybe they'll have a tiebreaker. KD jumps right in the middle of that. Just the second best player, maybe, on the, in the NBA at the time, jumps to your team. And so... I've always wondered what it's like to, because you guys eliminated him right before that, so you might have had your own thoughts about him versus Curry and all that, you know, right before that happened. I've always wondered, as a Warriors fan, having Kevin Durant come to your team, how did you feel about that? How do you feel about him? How do you feel about what it did to the rivalry? Just anywhere you can you can go with that, because uh, and the whole ruined the NBA thing. We're just now exiting that, like a year or two later. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear this from a from a Warriors fan. Okay. Um... <sighs> Before the 2015, 14-15, that's when they won the first one, right? The Warriors. Mm -hmm. um, like, nobody, there may have been a couple people who saw what was coming, but people didn't see what was coming. And I, I have a very, very distinct memory as they approached 60 wins that year. I believe they got like 60-something wins that year. 67. I was, And they started talking about them being the favorites. I felt like there was a whole like uh, honeymoon period that we just jumped past, like that part where oh they could be a contender, but oh they got knocked out of the second round and everybody's still okay. They'll come back next year. So a level of respect for your team, even if they don't win the championship. But there's a point where every good team, every championship team, crosses like a, a threshold where they better win it or they're a failure, right? Yeah. And then there's other teams and where. They're getting better, and it's okay that they lose in the second round of the Western Conference Finals or the, the Conference Finals, and st people still respect the team. They're like, oh, wow, they've got a bright future ahead of them, you know. Um, the Warriors didn't get that moment. They went from an afterthought and an exciting Steph Curry to being expected to win the championship. And 
I don't know where when another team has that's happened for them. I mean, when when there's not been a big move, you know, like LeBron yeah. going to Heat or even in Boston. Yeah, because this happened naturally. It was just a couple was, of moves and boom. I mean, they got knocked out of the playoffs by the Clippers the year before in seven games, and it, you know, I, I don't. It's like I don't want to rehash all these old things, but it's like Andrew Bogut got injured for the last couple games that that series, and that was the reason they lost to the Clippers that year, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody gives Andrew Bogut any credit, you know, for the year they lost to the the Caps, even though he, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I always try to mention that was pretty important, but you know, whatever. People don't understand what, how what happened happened. He was. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You don't get how integral he was to the offense. Like he was, he sat at the top, and everybody ran around that guy. Anyway, so they went from nothing to everything and all the expectations, and they somehow got through that 15 uh, playoffs and won. Right. Like, I still, yes, they needed all those breaks. They'd never been there before. They hadn't been there in 30, 40 years, right, that far into the playoffs. So, like, I think uh, Mike Connolly got injured and uh, Patrick Beverly and everybody's like, oh, they're just getting all the breaks. You know what? Everybody gets breaks. If you're going to get to the playoffs and get to a championship, it means you were good and you got some breaks, right? And then they win and... The next year was obviously the year that they had to prove because you got to do that. You got to prove that, oh, it wasn't a fluke, which is stupid, right? You won it. It's a thing. It happened. You you were the team that won. Like, there's 30 teams and you won. Like, that that's all that matters. You know, it's distilled. It's a thing. It should be celebrated. You can obviously critique it all you want. But proving that it was valid is stupid. So anyway, Steph Curry has the best season any basketball player has ever had in history. And um, honestly... That year, I would take a victory in that championship uh, over the ones with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think anybody but would. my mind is changing. Oh, okay. That's how yeah, I felt. I want to hear about it. Yeah. I'm changing because historically, it's you start to get some distance from things and you realize what happened, right? Whether it was somebody, a great person you had a relationship with, or some ex, or whatever it is, or a great meal, like you realize how good it actually was, and how good you had it, but you realize in that moment you were just caught up in the actual moment, defending things and trying to validate the players you already had. No, no, the Warriors franchise for a second became basketball, which is insane for anybody who's been a Warriors fan for you know more than seven, eight years. It's crazy. So Kevin Durant, a few years before, there was talk that Kevin Garnett might come to the Warriors before he went to the Boston Celtics. Then the Warriors went after Dwight Howard, and he turned him down. There's so much, like, rejection that the Warriors (laughs) faced, and every time they tried to cross over and get into the big time or get a big name, they would always say no. So realizing that somebody, that this franchise had, had been reformed to a point where the biggest players in the world want to come there. It, it's it's worth it. It's satisfying. You don't turn that down. You you take that on. It's a historical moment. It ranks with any historical moment in basketball, a, a stretch of period with how good a team could be. And why would you throw that out or uh, want any different just to prove a fact that the team that there was already there could still win a championship? Like, it's basketball. It's called get the best players on the court. 
and win games. They still had to win win the games, and that's what's difficult for me to process sometimes is that people will um, attribute those wins as if they were just a foregone conclusion, right? Yeah, absolutely. Human team. I saw uh, there was a um, some stat I saw. It was like teams that have players, three players that average over twenty points a game. How many times they've won the championship? It's like twice. Hmm. There's been like forty teams that have had three players who average over twenty points a game, and it's insane. Like they really put the perfect team together to just dominate modern basketball. Modern basketball that is accessible to the entire world, right? We're not talking about 1957 where they got the three tallest people on one team <laughs> and they just waited out the other team. Like, they got the perfect group of people to dominate modern NBA basketball. And you're telling me I'm supposed to feel, like, ashamed about that or feel, like, iffy about, like, my championships don't matter? Like, they don't count? No, those championships are the purest because they got the best people on a court and ran through the NBA and swept LeBron James and had a gentleman sweep the year before that. Was it? I don't know which way it went. It was a sweep and then they yeah, swept the yeah. guy. Yeah, gentleman. This and guy was a goat, that. apparently a, the goat, right? Was swept. It's crazy, right? That's so. I, I I know. I know they want to consider Kevin Durant is the greatest. You know, like oh, it's Kevin Durant. But he's Kevin Durant. But it, it doesn't work like that. Like they have to play the games, they have to win the games, and they have to do it for the whole season. It's that is an incredible feat, and for a Warriors team who was rejected constantly by big stars, I think that it's extremely satisfying. And to just have that stamp on NBA history, and embrace Kevin Durant, and embrace what they did for for two years or three years, you know, it was a good good run. Um, I think that is being a real basketball fan. Otherwise, we just yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, that's a totally new perspective. I could totally, I could understand that as a. I never heard that from a Warriors fan. That that from that <laughs> lens, that makes a lot more sense. Because, like you said, yeah, KG did almost get traded there. You had the 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 flirt. I guess you were flirting with greatness with the We Believe Warriors. I don't know if you say greatness. That was a great matchup, whatever. Right. So you had you had your times. Curry at one point didn't look like he was going to happen. He was getting an ankle injury basically every year. So yeah, there's a million ways that it it might not have worked out. Kevin Durant in seventeen, yeah. Zaza Pachulia fell on his leg. That could have been it right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, quite literally, yeah. Oh no, no, you're right. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, Zab, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with uh, crap, what was it? You want to say something about Kawhi? Oh, the other part, you you mentioned in your question, which is like, there was such an imposter syndrome that I I dealt with when every time the Warriors um, uh, faced the Thunder, Kevin Durant and whoever he had with him, Russell Westbrook, I don't think they really, they didn't play them well when, originally when James Harden was there. The Warriors weren't good then. But every time they played them the regular season in the playoffs, I never thought the Warriors were going to win. Because I was looking at a seven-foot-tall, guild basketball player, Kevin Durant. And every game that Steph Curry would show up to, it was like a reset button. You know, if Shaq is showing up to a game, you can you can literally see his dominance. It's a physical dominance, right? right. And it doesn't take much for you to, to extrapolate that into a victory or how it would be imposed onto a game. But every time Steph Curry would, you know, especially uh, in that 73-win season, they'd show up and it's like you would have to reset your brain. Like, wait, why is he, 
why is he so dominant? Like, he's not fast. He can't jump. It's like, it's incredible how bad of a leaper he is. You know, you watch, <laughs> I was just watching Mulder. What's this guy's name? He's on the Warriors. He's like some add-on they've had this year. And this guy is shorter than, than um, Steph Curry. And he can just leap and dunk. You know, you look at Russell Westbrook. Like, him and Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook are not that far apart in height, right? Mm-hmm. And Russell Westbrook can just, just soar. Steph Curry cannot do any of that. He's, I still get tense when he goes to finish around the rim. Yeah. I don't feel super confident about it. Um, like, there's no carryover confidence with him. And I think that's part of the reason he's such a phenomenon every single game is because it's a little harder to believe or perceive his dominance. So it has to be proven to you because every time and then you watch and everybody, everybody watches when you find out he's got, you know, 25 in the first half. You're like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch this game now. Mm. Um, we see it and we're like, it's being proven to us on a nightly basis. And there's no carryover or pure understanding visually about why this guy's dominant. Even like a LeBron James. We're like, oh, well, he can just drive in. He can bully some people. He doesn't have those tools. He can't bully anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why coming into this season, people had all the questions that they did. And after the first three games, that's why they started pouncing the way they did. Because they saw Steph out there and they saw him without his shooter and his other shooter and all the you know, protection, I guess, people thought he had for the last couple of years. And people thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, this is what we've been saying forever. And lo and behold, if they had some more wins right now, he'd probably be taken more seriously as an MVP candidate. And uh, that's a good way to kind of like, you know, transition to that as well. I guess because I had the question written down about, you know, who is your current MVP, but we can, you know, tag on from the Curry part since that's where the conversation is at. Um, How do you feel about him being an MVP candidate this year, watching the Warriors the way you are? Because what I found interesting, I I hadn't tweeted yet because I didn't want to, I just didn't feel like dealing with certain parts of Twitter. But I was like, for the last probably like five years, I guess, I always hear, oh, player X, or this team wouldn't be good without player X. They'd be complete dog shit. And so therefore he's he's the MVP. And so I feel like there's more than one player you could say that about this year, but I'm also looking at Steph and I'm like, if he drops tomorrow or he wasn't there right now, the Warriors would be they can got what, fifteen wins this year? Probably what if they were last year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kinda worried yeah, I'm kinda wondering how you feel about the MVP race as a whole and Steph Curry's place in it and uh yeah, what's going on this season. I think there's going to be some arbitrary threshold. Well, it's not arbitrary. I think there'll be some, because you know, all the judging on these things. Everything that's not about a win or a loss is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. So um, the judging on who the MVP is going to be in the voting is going to there's going to be some threshold on what seed he, you know, they are. If they get four above, then he's an MVP, MVP candidate. Um, or if they get a certain amount of wins, and I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of good players on a lot of bad teams, and it doesn't really matter um, if you're really good, if your team is just at the eighth seed or just make it in. I just I feel like there's just not as much of a case there, um, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, but um, it kind of makes me I'm kind of disinterested beyond him in terms of MVP, mm-hmm. like. I mean, who else is who's in the conversation? Like, I, I feel like obviously LeBron gets LeBron, Jokic, Embiid, right. KD. Yeah, that's kind of where it is right now. I'd be happy for Embiid. I like Embiid. I think Embiid's a great guy. I think he's a good personality. I feel like 
Um, if he won MVP, that'd be I'd be I'd be behind something like that. Um, just in terms of the individual, obviously they got to continue to win. But if the Warriors get to the fourth seed or somehow, there's there's no way you could take it from this guy. Like yeah. it is, it is. It's the story, right? You know, it's right. everything. It's the circumstance that everybody's begged for to strip him of all of the the NBA assets and things that you traditionally get with good teams, which are like other good players and health and stuff like that. Right, like right. If he somehow muscles it through. It's like it's that it's the worst confirmation of everybody's you know what everybody wanted to see, yeah. which is ridiculous. Nobody does it by himself. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like yeah. people saying, "Oh, Jordan didn't win until Pippen came." Well, of course. He needed another good player on his team. Like, yeah, yeah, he players to win. Yeah, I made a video about that years ago. The one and nine thing. Like when you actually look at the context behind it and the teams that they're playing. Like it's uh, the whole thing. I don't feel like revisiting that part of my NBA YouTube life. Like that whole, that whole argument is so tired. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So okay, I could I could absolutely see that. Yeah, Steph. I had them. I had the Warriors at like seventh or eighth seed this year. Yeah, if he's fourth, like I'm sorry, Jokic. I'm sorry, LeBron. Because LeBron's got his story too, right? Like every night it's going with the the 36 years old thing and uh, the stats he's putting up with it. Yeah, so that's at this point. I, I say I always said like he's like a hot streak away. I think this season, which he's kind of been on the last like week or two. So I always said he was like a hot streak away from putting himself probably first. And it seems like for most of the you know ESPN things I've seen, that that seems like about where they have him. Um, I, I do. I have a random question that popped in my head, but I'm going to save it for after this one. I don't okay. know how much you watch Utah basketball at all. Um, oh, but, I have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> now they're, uh, I, I don't know if they're still first seed right now as we speak, but they're up there and they've won like 17 of the last 18. And I'm wondering, do you believe in the Jazz? Because every, this, if it, there are phenomena that happens, uh, you know, every so often throughout the NBA, basically, we have these dominant teams when we come into a season and then we have a guy every few years or so that pops up and it's like, oh, shit, wait, the teams that we were talking about are behind them. So that's where Utah is right now. I don't know what you think about Utah. Is is this a serious thing for you? Is Are you buying into Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, but mostly Gobert this season? You know, OK, gosh, how do you say this without being insulting? There's like a <laughs> Gobert was not in the D-League and I know that. But there's like a D League um, Scarlet Letter. Like there's like a there's like a D League mentality on certain players, like Danny Green, right? Uh-huh. There's certain players that just there's like a like a like a denseness that's that just is pervasive over them. I think that in their gosh, I'm not calling anybody stupid, right, or dumb. These are intelligent <laughs> humans, and they're great at what they do. But I don't – it takes a lot of luck, a lot of breaks, and a lot of key decision-making and key moments to get that far and win it all. I I just – I don't trust anything. I don't trust Utah. I yeah. feel like the, it's, a, there's, it's a loser's town. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like Vernon Maxwell? Like, I don't know if you I follow like, Vernon Maxwell's burns on Utah. Yeah, he's, he's like that. Go. Oh yeah, on Twitter. Oh. Yeah, it's it's like a gold mine of Utah slander. You gotta check it oh, out. Oh, that's great! I gotta <laughs> no independently. I gotta. I I will. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to find that after this. Yeah. But it's. I just think that there's something um, baked into the Utah um, 
I don't, you know, if I would have thought about this more, I would have had a better example um, or a metaphor. But the idea is like certain situations you walk into and the preconceived perception or mentality um, eventually takes over yours. And I don't think Utah has the ability to win because I don't think they believe they could ever win. Like there's some weird audacity that has to happen for a team to be a champion unless it's like a a complete fluke, which really doesn't happen in the NBA. Um, over seven games, like, the better team really does win. Um, obviously, and injuries matter. You know, that part, that's part of it. If you're an injured player, that's your that's your MO. That's what you do. You get yeah. injured. Yeah, so Sandra Parsons. Kyrie Irving, you know. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's just like, that's your thing. So I don't want to hear what ifs about a player who's chronically injured because that is their their archetype. That they get injured, you know, one out of every six seasons or whatever it is. And they, Chris Paul, like uh, enough with, you know, he had a great career with the body he was given, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, there's something about Utah, it, it, you know, I could have said the same thing about Toronto at a certain point and I would have been wrong about it because they figured out a way. And I'm telling you, things like LeBron getting, you know, asking the league to take a look at, at, at Draymond's you know, conduct in 2016 or whatever it was. Mind you, I went to the kick game, and it, it was a year later or so when I realized that. I took my my youngest son when he was way too young, and I went drove to Cleveland and went to the game where Draymond kicked LeBron in the nuts. Oh, oh really? That was the last win of the season. I went uh-huh. there. We drove all the way back. We drove from Virginia to Cleveland, and all I, I, I was so happy on the way back. I just listened to sports radio the whole way back. Uh, talking about how the Warriors are one game away from winning it all. I, I, I will remember that moment. But anyway, it mat- it's all part of the game. So figuring out a way to win, believing you can win, it's like an obsession, it's a mentality. It might be a mental defect to really think that you're the greatest at something and you can beat anybody, right? Like, how reasonable is that? Like, that's not a reasonable thing to think. Yeah. You can just beat everybody, right, or that you're right. better than everybody. But it yeah, takes it, it, take, it takes a certain amount of like like psychoticness, like like MJ has yes. basically. Yeah, yeah, you got to be a little bit, and then it works out for some people, and then others not so much. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There is a psychosis. There is some sort of. I mean, Steph Curry clearly has it. You know, LeBron James. Like that's the interesting thing about LeBron James. I feel like sometimes he's a little too close to reason. Like he's a little too familiar with what you know. Just I don't know that maybe we're not going to win. Maybe we should just enjoy this because it's basketball, you know. Mm. Um, but Utah, there's no, there's nothing about that franchise, or especially Rudy Gobert, that says, you know, I can do this. So anyway, that, I mean, it's what is that worth? Nothing until they lose everything, and I look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I completely... You I believe I, in Utah. I... I... Look, I don't. I believe in them more than the 2015 Hawks. I'll say that much, right? I don't have them on that level because the 2015 Hawks. I looked at them all season, and I was just like, "Get them the fuck out of here!" Because everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, like LeBron played for All Stars," and like I'm like, "Bro, Kyle Korver was on the All Star team. Never forget he was on the All Star team because Wade was hurt. I'm pretty sure that's how he made it. None of those guys were All NBA. I I never believe in that. Friend. That that was I did. I think I watched probably a couple of minutes of that Cleveland Hawks series in 20 uh yeah in 2015. I watched a couple of minutes and I put it down. I was like, okay, I don't need to see anymore. 
anymore. Like this is this is cooked. I believe in Utah more than that because they are, you know, they have the the star player and Donovan Mitchell. They have the key defensive cog and Rudy Gobert. So they have somebody that can go out and get you thirty five to forty points. I don't think the Hawks really had that on a consistent basis. Um, I think, like you said, I hadn't even thought about it from the lens that you're talking about with basically what you're describing is championship DNA, which some people might say is like a cliche, but you're right. Does Rudy Gobert well, sit there? Well, we're talking about and, championship psychosis. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah. It's not even an abstract. We're talking yeah. about crazy enough to, to, yeah. to be a champion. Yeah, and like, does Rudy Gobert really sit here on, on a nice February day saying, like, we're going to go through the Lakers and possibly the Clippers on the way to a title or that think where they are, maybe they only play one of them. Yeah. I, I don't think they believe they can do that either. I think the style of basketball they play is, is kind of conducive to being locked up by a team like the Lakers in the playoffs. Once they can't, you know, get teams in crazy rotations and just absolutely blitz them from threes. I, I don't think that's going to hold up. So they're cool, but also, like you said, everything's a bit circumstantial. They're playing in a really, really tough conference. Like, the West is ridiculous. Because you've got Chris Paul and Aiden and Booker out there that are probably, you know, they might finish somewhere from, like, four to six. Uh, you've got the two L.A. teams. You've got, you know, you've got to really, you just got to, the West is always tough. The West is always this way. And so, you know, no, I don't, I don't believe in the Jazz this year. I think eventually, I think we're watching, I think what we're watching with Utah is something that can eventually, maybe, be a program because like, like the key people are going to stay well like before this year i never would have told you like I, I was looking at the conference they were in and i'm looking at gobert and and because you know gobert is what he is and then donovan mitchell and i'm like yeah these that's that's not a championship duo in this conference anytime soon but you know they've mike conley is playing better this year they've gotten some good pieces jordan clarkson might be six man of the year they are hey they're a good team Let, just take it I, I respect them more than 15 hawks i knew that comparison was going to come up i saw the joke on twitter last night finally it materialized like i manifested it and i saw it coming <laughs> and i saw it coming um no not the hawks but also not the the lebron and ad conquerors or i mean the, anything can happen with the clippers fuck the clippers were, were great all the way up until they were at the door last year and then crumbled i mean and so this is why I think this is just the Rudy Gobert mentality. I, Paul George does not have that. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have the psychosis. You think? No, he's very realistic with his doubt. Like I feel like he's got a lot of self doubt, like most people do. Yeah, it's that's not true. criticism to say that you have self doubt or you don't think you're the best at. You don't genuinely believe you are the best in the world at a thing. Like, right. I don't. I feel like there's there's a level in there. I don't know where it happens where you have to just buy into your own insanity mm-hmm. no i mean yeah, you can say yeah. why leonard is just lives in that he lives in that insanity mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but i don't think your his partner does yeah you know it's it's kind of like to be honest it's kind of like if you watch kevin durant before his he joined the warriors he seen he constantly he looked like he just didn't buy into himself at the end of games he made some really dumb he consistently made dumb choices at the end of games i mean there's that big game obviously we can have a larger argument but um it doesn't hinge on one particular moment but i always think about the one you know the big game where steph curry hit like a half court shot to to go to overtime whatever it was um like kevin durant just he's the one who turned the ball over like he made a crazy bad decision that turned the ball over that gave them the game Gave the Warriors the game. And that's happened before. And you have people like James Harden. Like, they really get to the end of games and they just kind of freak out. And I I get it. As a human, 
who's been in pressure situations where you're like, ooh, I don't know if I have this. That's most people, I feel like. And we don't give basketball players the room to just be like, you know, some flustered individual. They think they're <laughs> yeah. also going to some killer mindset. Um, and I guess that's where people say, well, do they have that, uh, you know, uh, are they, what is, what's, what do they say about, like, they don't have a... Killer instinct is what you're Yeah, killer there. instinct, exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, that is a thing. It is kind of a thing. Like, do mm-hmm. you go deeper into your psychosis as the game gets tougher? Right. Um, or do you start to rationalize, hey, well, you know, we had a good run. Things are really good. <laughs> and I think all that stuff affects your shot. I mean, it really, like, God, it's so human. It's so human. It's like if you're, you know, you got some project that you got to finish and you waited the last minute to do it and you're working it up. You start rationalizing, oh, well, I don't have to do this or. Maybe if I cut a corner here, you know, you just start rationalizing to yourself why it's okay to not do the best. And that's what we're built for. I feel like that's how we get through our day-to-day life, not being the best at everything and just being happy. And some basketball players have that mindset, you know? That's why James Harden, I think, is going to be great with the Nets because he fits a role and the pressure is not on him. I feel like he said it. I feel like he said that the other day. Kevin Durant, he needed that situation. I don't know if Golden State unlocked it for him. That he could do it, but I think there's still there's still this little block. I mean, what was it at the end of the game? They played against the was it the Nets? Who was it? Who was that game where the not under the Nets where the Nets played Washington? So, yeah, it's about the complete meltdown like two weeks ago, two and a half yes. weeks ago. Yeah, I was watching that just knowing it was happening. I, like I, <laughs> I was I could see it happening before it was happening. And then, like, Joe Harris, like, tried to pass the ball to Kevin Durant when he, on an inbounds uh, under the basket. And it looked like it was Joe Harris's fault, but it was really Kevin Durant's fault because he cut hard one way, didn't even look for the ball, and then just went the other direction. And Joe Harris was like, oh, here you go. <laughs> Kevin Durant was gone, as right. like, not even paying attention. I'm like, oh, it's just that weird late-game decision-making that it's luck sometimes that you make the right play or you make the right shot. I feel like if you get the shot off, you can't say anybody's not clutch, you know. Mm-hmm. Getting the shot off or making the right play and getting it, you're getting to your spot. I feel like you get all the credit in the world. Making it is a different thing, but when you just blow it, like there's something there. You're just nervous. I don't know. He's gonna be nervous. Yeah, yeah. No, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. Uh, like you said, people don't give players room to be human, and I think that's how people were. They were once attacking the the whole killer mentality thing or the killer instinct, which I always believed was a factor, like you just said. Um, but people, that's back when they would go at LeBron for not having it. That was probably some years ago. And uh, I think that's part of, like you said, not giving them that human element because that does play a factor. They have real you know, insecurities and real confidence just like us, you know, they deal with those same things, and that's uh, that, that's why the bubble was really interesting to me because I was I was wondering as they were going into that with no fans and this is a totally different environment. I was really wondering, does that make it easier for some of these guys? Because at the end of the day, we look at it and we're like, oh, they're all pros and they're all hoopers, and yeah, sure, but they're not robots, you know. Like on a regular basis, they do play in front of like twenty thousand people or whatever, and now you're in an empty gym with. None of that pressure. That that's that's real pressure. I don't know if people know that you feel that <laughs> you feel twenty thousand or how many ever eyes on you when you're in a clutch and shit like that. I I thought that was important, but you know, that's uh that that's yeah. I don't know. The bubble the bubble was an interesting was an interesting thing for me for that reason. 
what was your assessment after that? I mean, I, I mean, we got guys like, I mean, in all fairness, Murray has not been around the entire season, but Bubble Murray was a thing. Bubble TJ Warren <laughs> was a right, thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to take the like super simplistic view of it and be like, oh, well, look at the Miami Heat this year. They're struggling to get to the playoffs after the finals. They're, you know, this year has a million different factors to it. The injuries, the, the COVID, there's a lot of shit going on. Um, but I'd be lying if I would, if I was going to go on and say like, everything that happened in the bubble would have happened exactly the same way if we would have finished the season how we were supposed to like i don't there's no way i I would bet everything i own there would not be two straight three one comebacks in an arena in a full arena no it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen there's a reason it hadn't happened before that that was the nuggets they did it to the jazz and then they did it to the clippers that's not happening two straight times where you have to go on the road and do it in somebody's arena. That's not happening two straight times. It's just not. Um, so I don't take, I still don't take credit away from the winning team and how far certain guys got because nothing super wild happened. That's what I was really looking for in the bubble. I was like, if something super crazy happens here, because Miami getting to the finals was not that crazy to me. I had them as a dark horse. I thought they were going to beat the Bucks. Yeah, no, I thought they were going to beat the Bucks, and then I thought anything was possible. I always thought, once I saw them in a regular season, I thought that could happen. But I was like, yo, if we if we get to the bubble and, like, it's something just completely just weird in the finals, like, nobody's ever going to look at this legitimately. So Lakers and he, I thought, was, it was in that realm of possibility. LeBron, and the Lakers obviously winning championship was also in that realm. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the bubble gets gets viewed, you know, going forward from here and the years after the years pass and we talk about rings and all that. That's, that's going to be pretty interesting, I think. Let me ask you a question. For the Lakers winning the championship, um, what's the image that pops in your head? The Lakers winning cha- – you mean like a moment or – Yeah, yeah. what's – like when you think about them winning in the bubble, that championship, even this from the celebration specifically, what is the uh, indelible iconic moment for that just you think about? Is there one? I mean, the only, when you say Lakers championship, I mean, maybe it's because I've edited so many videos. It's just the uh, the phantom cam footage of LeBron and walking onto the court and that giant screen that they had in the bubble right there. It's like kind of like walking in front. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but yeah, just like the walk to center court. But in terms of if you're asking for like an iconic moment that series, I probably have to sit down and think about it a little bit. Harder, well, even specifically but. when they won, like during the championship celebration, did, did was there an iconic moment? I know there was a lot of effort, it seemed like to me. Like, trying to deceive. Oh deceive. well, I mean, I mean, obviously, the me- what's become a meme now. Anthony Davis, uh, like crying on the sitting on the uh, scoreboard, and the that's become a meme now that we've used for our own, we've repurposed for our own use on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's that's about the only one I would say from the celebration that comes to my head immediately. It's been a minute. Wow. I haven't I haven't revisited it much since then. So LeBron like laying on the ground with the cigar on the phone. Oh, you talk okay wow. afterwards? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's that's like that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of everything on court, yeah. Okay, all right. And then there was Rondo, who was on the court, I think with his kid, there was a picture yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, with the sparkling sparkling wine, there we go, yeah. No, the, LeBron, yeah. the LeBron cigar, yeah, that, that's cold as shit, yeah, that, that's that's cold. I feel, I just always felt like LeBron has been, he's hyper aware, there's like two awarenesses with LeBron, and I think he is a very, I think he's one of the smartest people Uh He's playing on like so many different levels, intentionally and unintentionally. So you're gonna say he created this moment? I see. I see where this is going. Right? Well, no, I just feel like it's embedded in him. It's like if you grew up your whole life thinking about five or six different championship moments, it's not that it's false or fraudulent to uh, 
to subconsciously recreate something, right? It's like Kobe doing literally every Michael Jordan celebration. Yeah, his 09 celebration is literally, it's a carbon copy. The, the, <laughs> the, yeah, it's a carbon copy of Mike. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it, it goes deep. His celebrations, like, the way it started where he was jumping on uh, Shaq and hugging him and participating with other teammates to where it drifted to him jumping, fist pumps, standing on the, the uh, scores mm-hmm. table. It's the exact... Um, evolution of Michael Jordan's which was he started celebrating with his teammates and then it became more of an individual celebration each year that he had to hit certain beats right and obviously there were certain things that were you know like the the year he won on Father's Day um but like he wasn't he was genuinely uh caught in, in his emotion but the idea is that if that's what you grew up seeing it's not fraudulent for you to recreate it it's not like he's staging it I think I think LeBron James, and this is something, I don't even know how to say this yet, I'm still working on this, is that he's like an amalgamation of basketball memories trying to create more basketball memories without knowing how to break out into a new paradigm or a new level, but just rehashing old ones, including the way he talks, because literally everything he says in an interview is a basketball cliche or a life cliche or a saying or an idiom chopped up and mixed up. It's very odd. I, we can talk about that later. But it's like his school has been professional basketball. And he's just giving us back all the greatest things he's ever seen. So he's kind of like just spitting it back at us. And some people think that it's, I don't know, fraudulent or he's trying to, he's trying to do things. Or he's trying to emulate things. I, I think it's genuine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Genuine that can happen related. naturally. It can happen naturally very easily when, uh, you, like you said, the school is basketball. Because even if you go back and you, you watch a lot of uh, Kobe's earlier interviews, I know we're talking about LeBron, but Kobe also had it. He sounded exactly like Michael Jordan. And just just general talking interviews, whether he was trying or not, that was his school. The greatest was his school. So, you know, you might you might end up just subconsciously doing what they've done. And, yeah, I, I've noticed that a couple of times. And this is the thing about Kobe Bryant, which is great, because... If anybody ever says, well, he's just a Michael Jordan clone or because I've seen some lists of people like people who have affected basketball or the you know most important players or most iconic players or whatever. Who has the greatest impact on basketball? You know, Jordan, some people throw Iverson in there, you know, and some, some I feel like there's contention on whether Kobe Bryant had the as, had a greatest or had a bigger as big of an impact as any of these other players. Right. Um, because people will say, well, he was just Michael Jordan. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody who's been able to imitate somebody else and also achieve the highest level that the same person did? Like, it's not that, that it's not that it's, an, it's a cheap imitation. It's that he embodied this champion and then became a champion. Yeah. It's like, if you, if all you do is try to sing like Whitney Houston, you know, at karaoke night, that's great. But if somehow you break through and get 25 top number, you know, top 10 hits and billboard, whatever this, that, guess what? You took a formula and you were also able to achieve the same heights. So yeah. you almost have the same claim to it if you can achieve the same heights. So when people say my, Kobe is like a Michael Jordan clone, I, I'm, it's odd to me because a, a, a copy or a knockoff doesn't also win championships yeah like, exactly <laughs> he 
he yeah. took the model and then did the same thing. Yeah. So it's his. Yeah, and missed him by one. Yeah. It's so, I think, you know, I think there's something almost more, I wouldn't say more impactful from Kobe Bryant, but it's just, it's just, it's showing how something can be done. Like you could take somebody's perfection or somebody's highest form. If you can embody it and then achieve the sim- the exact same heights, I mean, obviously not the same amount of championships, but you know, you can still yeah. win NBA championships and hit fadeaways and do all the things, then it's yours. Yeah, it's not that my- was that was always my. Uh, that, I felt like that was the simplest argument to debunk back when people used to disrespect Kobe on the internet because that was a thing, and they would say like, "Oh, he copied MJ." That was such a common thing. I'm like, how many people since MJ's retirement have tried to copy MJ? Like. Thank you. Yes. People have tried. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go clone MJ's game. Like, damn, that takes a certain amount. Like, we, we, we've all heard the Kobe work stories. Like, that took a certain amount of grit to actually do that. So I never really saw that as the own that people thought it was when they would, when they would say that. I'm like, and the, as we were talking about championships earlier in the circumstance, like, as close as his game got to Jordan's and how you can stitch together the videos and not even tell which one is which, you, getting to five, you didn't get to six, but getting to five, despite he got injured multiple times, that could, you know, he could have lost a couple of those championships just based off of that. Like, he got right there. And so, yeah, I, I never understood that criticism. And as it relates to your point about the making it your own, yeah, like, who's going to who's gonna try to be the next Kobe and actually succeed? Like, that doesn't just happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> that doesn't just happen. Like, you know, that doesn't just fall out of thin air. I don't know. I, I felt like that was a really simple one to city bunk back in the day that was strange that was a time yeah yeah so strange um yeah i guess we're gonna go ahead and move on to the okay. end here and i have just i was i don't know if do you follow or do you know of nakayas duncan uh do you listen to their podcast the duncan spot probably not i don't know it's a twitter i'm I, on twitter it'd be a twitter i podcast. know i know of it yeah yeah okay well they were talking at the end of their podcast because uh, it happened probably like two times in the last two or three times in the last couple of weeks where teams are fouling at the end of games when they're up three to obviously prevent the other team from scoring. And I heard that conversation on it, so I just thought it was a, a funny way to end the podcast. I wanted to get your perspective on that. Teams fouling when they're up three to say, we're not going to give you that. We're not going to give you the attempt. We're going to go ahead and end it right here. Let it, what happens happens, but you're not getting that attempt. Are you a proponent or are you like, let the chips fall where they may? It's a show. It's a television show. It has a, a start time and a description when you click on it or wherever you find it. Like, it has a description. It shows you who's starring in it, right? Yeah. Like, it tells you what time it's supposed to start, what time it's supposed to end. It's a damn show. Let the show play. Like, let it have a good ending. Fouling when you're up three is the worst thing in existence. And even though I can't stand Greg Popovich for a myriad of reasons, he has held the line on that in the league. And when people ask him about that, he dismisses them like they're idiots. <laughs> I've always appreciated that because it's like this completely incorrect stance to have in terms of strategy. Right. Like, I think you, pro- if you were just about winning the game and securing a victory, you probably should foul, right? Instead right. of letting the best basketball players in the world get a shot to win or tie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, strategically, but, it makes sense. Strategically, it makes sense. But in terms of this show, it's the stupidest thing, and I hate it. And I watched one 
game. I don't know what two teams were playing. It was might have been Olympic basketball. I don't know. But it was just the whole, the last two minutes were that. And I'm just thinking, this is so stupid. I'm so glad the NBA has an unspoken understanding that this should <laughs> never happen. And then you have people like Steve Nash. Now he's out there implementing his foul while you're up three. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Canada doctorate. Like, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. And Steve Kerr, who is a disciple of Greg Popovich, apparently, apparently he is. Um, I think it's like a retroactive thing. Like, he just pointed to him. Like, that's my, that's my, that's my uh, mentor over there. Um, he, he's against it also and has spoken mm-hmm. about it. And I like the vagueness whenever somebody defends not fouling. Like, they don't really get into the specifics of the strategy or why that's a better decision. They kind of just say, well, we just wanted, you know, whatever it is, the, the explanation is usually simple. It doesn't have a lot of depth. And I love it because they are acknowledging that it's the NBA and that's what we do here. We let, we let it ride. And if they get a shot off, that's what we need. It's entertainment. But it's becoming a world game now. And hopefully they have some sort of like, you know, closed door meeting about this, you know, at some point mm-hmm. to make sure it just doesn't get out of hand because God, it's ugly. Oh, it's so <laughs> fouling when you're up three. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Because now that we've seen it a couple of times this close together, like I feel like it's something you see very like sporadically. Now that we've seen it this close together, I feel I, I'm afraid that, you know, it catches on because guys are like, wait, why aren't we doing this? Like if we're up three, we can as long as we don't royally screw it up, we can probably win the game like this. And I'm like, God, no, I don't. My my worst nightmare here is getting to game seven of the NBA finals and we don't get the moment because we didn't have a chance what? to get the moment. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, people will always find it too risky to do in that situation because there are ways that can go horribly south and then you look like an idiot i think that's something they were talking about at the end of their podcast is like if you do this this because people already hate you for it like you you hate it but if you do this and you mess it up and you end up losing the game when you were up three now you know you're you're the you're the you're the focus of endless slander basically (laughs) so but it's like i mean these are this this is the highest level of basketball If, if everybody was executing it Sure, people would mess it up, but the majority of time, the overwhelming majority, it would work out just fine. Yeah, and that's why the rest of the world seems to do it. But I got it's just like it's like there's just like this barrier that I hope it doesn't cross. Understanding yeah. that it is a sh- basketball show, it's a Absolutely. show. Absolutely, so that's oh god. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because like that is <laughs> not is the it is a worst case scenario for the future of basketball. Yeah, because I mean that's all people you know. I'll sit around and watch some dumbass game just for, just hoping that the last two minutes are interesting. Two teams I don't care about, yeah. just hoping there's something interesting in the end. Not the, you know, anyway. right, right. But yes, yeah, I, I think we're on the same page about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, one last question before we, we get out of here: Can the Nets win a championship this year with their defense the way it is today? Can that happen? The- the Nets are so strange because Kevin Durant, and when they played the Warriors recently um, and beat and dominated, Kevin Durant was playing Warriors basketball. Mm-hmm. He was playing the defense. He was playing as a Warrior. He was he was tapping back into that that extra pass. He was. Um, it became a part of him, and if he realizes it. And James Harden is just like, 
there's something to unlock with James Harden because he's so intelligent. And I feel like if he gets a chance to sniff some, you know, some championship air, I think it'll matter to him enough. And the same with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has always been like an annoyance to Steph Curry, and if he wants to play defense, he can. I don't know about the rest of their team, but coming from that core, I think they're all desperate enough, impressed enough, if they see a path and develop that full-on psychosis, which James Harden doesn't usually have, Kevin mm-hmm. doesn't usually have, um, then I, 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 think, I think they could be, they could just be purely dominant. On both ends, if they really wanted to, but it's really about what they want to, right? I mean, I, I just realized that Mike D'Antoni was like D'Antoni yeah. was on the staff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is him, Steve Nash, Lautemar, They're all there. Whole gang's there. Like there's, like, there's nothing there asking for <laughs> to do anything on the defensive end. Yeah. So it's got to come from like from those guys. I think I think Kevin Durant could tell these people, hey, like this is what it took. This is what it's going to take. A little bit of extra this. And right. James, it's more than just putting your hand on their hip when they go to dunk. You know? <laughs> that came full circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be full circle when I finish the video. Oh, yeah. But that's anyway, a, yeah. That's a, I don't know if that's most interesting, but that's that's what I think. I can't wait to see that one. I'm, I'm going to make sure I got the bell, the bell ticked on Hit your the bell. So I get the notification. Absolutely. Hit the bell. Man, this has been great. We are. This is the, the record this is the longest podcast, obviously. We're at two hours. I can't talk for two hours by myself, but even when I've had people with me, I couldn't talk for two hours. This has been great. We could have kept going. I think we did a, it, like you said, with those ideas that you have, we could have like kept going and going. We would have been here till midnight. Um, but the Lakers and Nuggets are playing. Yeah. Say, say what? I'm just glad to talk to you. You're great, man. Yeah, yeah. This is this has been awesome. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back at some point because there's many many more ideas with like nba history and everything happening throughout the season i'm pretty sure you'll be back and we'll do this again but yeah thank thanks for coming on man this has been super Absolutely. super dope thank you very much all right oh yeah i uh, forgot my due diligence this is on spotify itunes everybody links in the comment section description all that good stuff y'all already know this week at macy's get great deals on fashion and home essentials update your wardrobe with 20 percent off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.